Ayo, welcome everyone to Today in the Scene by Indie Arcade Wave. I'm Joe, your host. Here on In the Scene, we dive into what's going on in the arcade scene. From new indie arcade developers, arcade owners and operators, and news in the space. We're here to answer the question, is the arcade dead? Spoilers, the answer is no in my eyes, but other people may think otherwise. Um, I'm part of the team that brought Galactic Battleground to the arcade space in 2017, and now let's dive into this week's episode. Joining us this week is someone who is very well known in the arcade circles as kind of the source for all things arcade. If you're looking to find out who's got a new game, you go to Adam Pratt at Arcade Heroes. And we're going to bring him on now. How are you doing, Adam? I'm doing all right. How about yourself, Joe? I'm fantastic. Glad to be uh, on again with you. I feel like we've done like six, seven episodes now, and every single one of them are... They're all awesome. I I love checking back in on them and kind of seeing what you think, because... In my eyes, you you know you know your shit. Like you're kind of the guy that's like checking out everything in the arcade. You're going to all these different conventions. But let's have you just kind of introduce yourself for anybody that hasn't seen you before, and just kind of let them know what you do. Sure thing. And uh, apologies about my camera here if it seems to be a little glitchy today. But uh, I'm Adam Pratt with Arcade Heroes. I'm also own my own arcade business called Arcade Galactic in Salt Lake City, Utah. So that's where I am right now, filming from here. So I might occasionally have somebody stop and ask me a question or want to buy tokens. But I've been covering the arcade world since 2006 as Arcade Heroes, the site, the blog, recently celebrated its 16th birthday, Sweet 16, for the blog. And yeah, I just cover everything video, pinball arcade related whatever it is i don't really touch on redemption stuff very much as i just not really a fan but i mean it is part of the space whether we like it or not but most of my focus is on the video arcade and the pinball side and so i try to do everything i can to get you the most accurate information about what's going on in the world of arcades and long been fighting that fight of keeping arcades alive and making sure people know that arcades are alive. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm constantly checking your social media and your blog to kind of see what's going on. Um, and the YouTube videos are an awesome form to check that content out when you do so many walkthroughs of conventions and things like that. Thank you. But let's talk about your most recent convention, obviously, which for people that aren't familiar with IAPA, it's for sure one of the largest conventions in the entertainment space. Um, but I'm going to let you go a little bit deeper with that. Like, what is IAPA and why is it such a big deal? Sure. So IAPA itself, I should uh, look it up, the exact <laughs> definition of that, as I always forget it. It's the, I think the International Association right here about IAPA. And, of course, they don't say on their website what it stands for exactly. It's something along the lines of International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, something like that. But anyways, so they're an organization that exists in Florida. And every year for over 100 years, they've been holding a trade show event where it just brings all sorts of things about the amusement industry together. And, of course, that includes arcades, coin-operated arcades. And just it's essentially the E3 of the amusement or entertainment industry that's not 
based on home, I guess you could say the out of home entertainment industry. And so that includes things like theme park rides, inflatables, zip lines, uh, animatronics, robotics, things that would be used for theme parks, of course, and uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, uh, anything that can be used for out of home entertainment. It's generally going to be showing up at this trade show as long as it's ready to be sold to the general public and to places like mine uh, who run an arcade venue or places like theme parks or family entertainment centers, which we generally call FECs. And so they always hold this trade, this particular trade show event, the IAPA show, the week before Thanksgiving, every November, and it's always in Orlando, at least it has been for the past several years, as they did some sort of thing with the city of Orlando, because that is kind of the theme park capital of the world. Um, once they did it in Las Vegas, which I liked because I live a little closer to there, so it's not such a long flight <laughs> to get there. Um, but I think it's going to be in Orlando through the year 2030, possibly through the year 2040. But if you are interested in arcades and the business side of things, if you operate an arcade, then you probably know about it. If you're interested in it or interested in anything to do with the stuff that I mentioned, then it's worth going to this trade show event. Great networking opportunities, great other opportunities for just seeing all sorts of cool stuff that are coming along. Oftentimes when theme parks announce brand new roller coasters, particularly anything that might be revolutionary, they'll announce it at IAPA. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the place to be really if you're in the amusement industry. And yeah. you went and I, you just told me you took over 200 videos while you were there. I hear it's just Something like a like <laughs> absolutely massive, just like warehouse on warehouse on warehouse kind of space, showing yeah. things off. Um, in the time that you were there, what stood out to you at IAPA? Like, what's what are some things you came back with and you're like, that's cool. I need to know more about that. Sure. I mean, if I had the money, <laughs> there would probably be uh, several games that I'd be going for. But at the moment, I'm actually in the process, going to be shutting down one of my second my second location soon. And uh, so I'm not really in a buying mood. But there were still lots of cool, impressive stuff. So at last year's IAPA, IAPA 2021, it was kind of a low energy event. There were not a lot of new stuff uh, just because everybody had that pandemic pause. Uh, there was practically nothing there from the indie side of things. Uh, that's one of the many casualties, I guess you could say, of the of the pandemic as well. It's just indie development, indie arcade developments had been pretty huge and uh, or, or been growing a lot in 2019. And then they just uh, a lot of them had to stop, unfortunately. But um, this year, it felt more like a normal IAPA, I would say, like IAPA 2017 or 2018. I think tw their 2019 event was the most attended IAPA in, in their history. But um, of that, I mean, every company had something new that they were bringing to the table. Uh, one thing that definitely stands out are racing games. <laughs> There's tons of new racing games. It, it's almost like everybody just stopped everything else and just made a new racer or two and so for example raw thrills has a very flashy very impressive looking new fast and furious arcade machine that's out 
Uh, this thing was not really designed for smaller places like mine. It's, uh, I, from what I've heard, the price on it is somewhere around $25,000 per unit. So if you want two of them, you always need two for a racing game. Uh, you know, you're $50,000 in, not counting shipping and taxes. Um, but it has two monitors and a motion-based seat, uh, two 4K monitors, I should say. And it's pumping the graphics out across two screens at 4K, 60 frames a second. So it looks very nice, very impressive. They've kind of changed the gameplay a little bit from Cruise and Blast. I mean, it's essentially the same thing, drive from point A to point B, lots of explosions going on, shortcuts and things like that. Uh, but now it's mission-based instead of you're racing a race. And uh, that's interesting. Um, but over at Bandai Namco, they had a new Need for Speed heat takedown. So it's based on the Need for Speed heat game that it relaunched in 2019. That looks very impressive, too. It has a cool LED marquee on top. Uh, it's still in development. I think they were saying probably had six months, six, seven months to go in development. So it might change a little bit from what I saw at IAPA. But it's just police chase sort of thing. You're not the cops in this one. You're running away from the cops. Uh, almost like a reverse chase HQ. Uh, but that was fun. There was a new Dead Heat Unleashed, which is kind of like Maximum Tomb, but more casualized. Uh, that one is cool, but it's, I mean, for me personally, I prefer Maximum Tune itself, which is the game sitting right here. As that it has more stuff in it, more to do, more courses, storyline, part upgrades. It's almost like an RPG for cars, but all, all those extra features don't exist in Dead Heat Unleashed. But that is a sequel. You might have heard that name before if you've visited an arcade in the past decade or so, as there was Dead Heat released, I think, in 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Uh, and so this just is a sequel to that. Um, Sega also had uh, several new things there. They had their Drone Racing Genesis, which is the first arcade game, at least. There, there might be a video game out there on consoles where you're racing drones. I'm not aware of any, but uh, yeah, you're racing a drone. And that one looks really good in person. The, the cabinet effects are really cool. Just the thing that I was kind of like, eh, on where the controls needed some work. The, it seemed like you were either going up or you're going down. It was kind of hard to find that middle range there. But I watched some Sega employees play it. I filmed some playing it, and they could handle it just fine. So I guess with enough practice, you could figure it out. But I think for the casual audience, they need to maybe do some adjustments there. Uh, they had a new motorcycle racing game that was very impressive. Looks pretty cool. I uh, love the cabinet design for it called Storm Rider 2. Obviously another sequel, but it's more like a an answer to Superbikes, uh, like Superbikes 2, Superbikes 3. And um, so you just race your motorcycle in somewhat crazy environments, fantasy environments, and try to get to the finish first. But the motorcycles are on a motion platform, and so those it, that one was fun. Uh, one of the things that was catching a ton of attention at the Sega booth was the Redemption game. But again, I don't really care much about those, but their new Bop It game based on the toy of the same name. Uh, just lots of people were playing that, and I heard a lot of people talking about that. So that'll probably, you'll probably find that soon in a lot of places. Uh, 
I'm trying to remember who else might have had a racing game since that's the main subject. Um, there was Ice with Racecraft, um, which they still haven't committed to. It, it's a game where you're it's a Formula One racer, and it exists on consoles, but they've changed it quite a bit for the arcade side. I just not sure. I'm guessing they'll release it eventually, <laughs> just because of Zayapa again. Um, oh yeah, there was Asphalt Nine Legends Arcade VR, which um, was by LAI Games. And they released last year. They released Asphalt Nine Legends Arcade, which was probably the biggest release of that show last year. And they had a standard version. They had a deluxe version with a motion seat. And so the VR version is essentially the deluxe version with the motion seat. But now you have a VR headset on it. And I, I'm not sure exactly how much those are going for. I heard a rumor somewhere around fifty thousand. Uh, so a very pricey game. Um, but yeah, that gives you plenty of options when it comes to rate, uh, virtual reality, or, or sorry, just Asphalt 9 racing-based stuff. I'm just looking across my list really quick to see if there's anything I forgot about on the racing side. Uh, just it's kind of crazy when you get all these racers one on top of the other, <laughs> so for like a person like myself, I'm not 100% sure which one I would go with probably one that best fits my budget yeah that looks like that's all the racers um there were a few light gun games but not many halo fire team raven had a new cabinet this is a version of halo that was released in 2018 made just for arcades it worked with microsoft and um it's a 343 studios or industries or something uh, i forget i should know that i know bungie but i, I haven't really played any of the new halos but um, it, it, yeah, just it's Halo made specifically for arcades. But this new cabinet, what's cool about it is you stand at it like a normal light gun shooter. Like the previous version was you would sit down and you had this controller that you would move back and forth with your hands. It was mounted to the cabinet, so it didn't look like anything that came from the Halo universe. But this new one, it they recreated the assault rifle. And it looks a lot like the assault rifle from the games. I mean, it has some LEDs on it that, of course, the games wouldn't have, but it's pretty cool. Otherwise, the game's the same, but just a nice new cabinet design. And I guess talking about that, I just remembered there is another racer that Rothwell's had called MotoGP VR, which is their 2015 MotoGP motorcycle racing game release, but with VR added to it and a couple of updates to it. Um, but uh, back to the light guns, uh, there was also, uh, let's see, Galaxy Ranger, which is a Chinese made shooter that is actually trying to be Halo <laughs> without the Halo IP. Uh, and th that was okay. But I mean, it was, it wasn't the worst light gun game that I've ever played, but it was somewhat forgettable in that regard. Um, Sailor's Quest VR by Eunice, which is kind of like the old Dead Storm Pirates. If you've seen that, that was a Namco game released in 2012, I think, where it was kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, but Namco's twist on it and you were shooting all sorts of undead things in a pirate world looking for treasure and stuff. And so Eunice, which is a Chinese company, they've come up with their own pirate shooting game. 
but now as the name implies they've added vr to it as well and i think that kind of is it for the like on shooting games so uh, there really wasn't a lot uh, at this iapa and I, i wouldn't be surprised if next year you see a bunch of light gun shooters because the, the arcade industry kind of goes in these ebbs and flows of uh, where well, they'll do a bunch of racing games and they'll do a bunch of light gun games and then they'll do a bunch of racing games and they just kind of go back and forth um, but back in 20 between 2017 to 2019 it seemed like they were kind of spreading those things out and mixing it up instead of doing it all at once um because when that happens they kind of step on their own toes uh, because you can sometimes if a company releases two of the same kind of game at the same time they end up uh, operators may not have the money to afford <laughs> one or uh, you know they can only do one and, and so they'll go with whatever they find is most impressive um there one that you mentioned that uh, was definitely making some big waves at the show was Xarcadia and that's one that I've been on your show to talk about before and in the past they had worked with a company called Fun Company to create some cabinets which you allowed operators like myself to purchase our own TV and it didn't look like the traditional arcade cabinet but had have a control panel in front of this say 4K TV or something that you could buy oh, well, hi sure and so this uh, showcase cabinet was what Exa had been using for a little while but they wanted to have something that looked more traditional that also was more affordable and so they began working with a new company and this new company is able to produce this what's called the Arc 1 cabinet and it's a comes with a 32 inch monitor and what's really cool is that the operator takes about 5 to maybe 10 minutes at most uh, where you can take the monitor and change the orientation so if it shipped to you as a horizontal orientation monitor you can pull that out change it around to vertical mode or tate mode as people in the shoot 'em up community uh, or stg community like to call that and so you could have your games at vertical as x arcadia they've been big on releasing a lot of uh, shoot 'em ups schmups if you want to call them that to business particularly in Japan but they've been available anywhere in the world and some of those all of those games they designed to work on a horizontal monitor but some of them were obviously made for vertical like the cave uh, dodon patchy true death exa label or i have one called akam blue type r where i have that cartridge right here and so this is also a, a vertical scrolling shooter and uh, Cyvariar and several others. And so if you, if you want that it makes it easy with this new cabinet to do that and it doesn't take up much more space than a typical 90s upright arcade cabinet and even the control panel is modular. Yeah, so that can easily be swapped out between one, two or four player formats. And so it's essentially like I've said before like the new Neo Geo MVS that just modernized and this new cabinet 
what one thing that's most exciting to me about it is was one of the most affordable cabinets at the show. And that's been a major, major problem since the pandemic hit and all the related issues with production and shipping and all that is that the the average price of arcade machines prior to the pandemic was somewhere around $7,500. But now I would say on average it's about $10,000. So a lot of those racing games that I had mentioned, they're all above $10,000. I had heard quotes of twelve dollars to 15 to like I mentioned on Fast and Furious, $25,000. And for a small company like me where I'm not loaded, <laughs> not even close, this, is, this industry is not a way to get rich, uh, at least that I've discovered. Um, but it, it's very difficult to when, when you have a bunch of games that are in that price range, especially racing games, because like I also mentioned, you want to buy more than one. You usually are buying two. With my maximum tune and my cruise and blast over there, I, you know, I have a pair of those each. And so in the past, that was like around fourteen, fifteen thousand, um, but now you're looking at twenty-four thousand or higher to get a pair, or like I said, fifty thousand dollars to get a pair. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, the X Arcadia. They're one of the most affordable solutions. On today's market, and they, they also had a bunch of new games there. Uh, I think they had, um, I think it was 31, 30, 31 cartridges available. But uh, with, with Exa, they had four brand new games at the show Donut Dodo Do, or Donut Dodo Do. I, I, yeah, that's right. It's supposed to be Donut Dodo Do, kind of like Mr. Do, um, which is a new version of the donut dodo game that indie game that recently came out on steam and consoles which is kind of like a love letter to platformer games of the early 80s i like to think of it as popeye meets mario brothers meets mappy uh, meets donkey kong (laughs) Uh, it's it's kind of a bunch of these blended into one and it's a lot of fun the exa version will have two-player support two-player simultaneous support kind of like mario brothers uh, did and they also have an artist who works for or worked for capcom who worked on uh, the mega man or Rockman series and so he's doing some new art for it but that's not available yet uh, they also introduced uh, let's see jitsu squad which had been announced previously but it's a beat-em-up and it's available on consoles um, but the arcade version also is going to have a lot of changes to it I-, I played a demo but a lot of those changes hadn't been implemented yet just just a few um, it's more streamlined and I think it's a, an extra character that's not in the console version um, let's see Shinorubi pink label which is a scrolling shoot 'em up on available on Steam uh, the, the exa version is properly designed for vertical mode whereas on Steam it's a vertizontal game as they call it so it it works for your standard PC monitor, but it, the scrolling is vertical. Um, but this one will have true vertical setup, and I filmed that. Um, so you can check it out if you're curious. And there was one other that they brought to the show for the first time, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Perhaps that might have been Toho Perfect, which is a huge IP in Japan. Not very many people know about it here in the States, so it it had been released previously. Oh, wait, Arcana Heart 3. That was the other one. 
And so the Arcana Heart series, which is a fighter mainly popular in Japan, it's all kind of an anime girls fighter. Uh, that one also was available at the show, but it was still kind of an early build. And so that, uh, that plus all the other games that they've already released were there. And they had something that I'm still not 100% sure how I'm going to deal with this. Um, I've seen it previously. The X is working with a company, I think it was out of Norway or somewhere in Europe, where um, they're bringing X-rated adult games back. And it's called Hot Pink. And they actually had a Hot Pink cabinet there. It's the same basic design as the Exa Arc 1, but just different artwork. And also uses these games that are made for like strip clubs and stuff and um, because it's full of nudity <laughs> uh, that's where I, it's like I'm, I'm not sure if i can post this on youtube or maybe there's a way like unlisted or something but i i'm just not sure um, but they had a couple of games there and one called Badass Babes, which is a digitized fighter, which I think might be available on PC. I'm not 100% sure about that, but it's almost like the old Midway, like almost like NARC, um, but it's a beat-em-up and it works for up to four players. And uh, there was another a shoot-em-up called Rumble Storm, which uh, is mainly just a shoot-em-up, but then there's like these very graphic sex cutscenes in between there or when you lose and in the past i played a couple of others where there was one game that they made that was um, kind of like splatterhouse but it, it would get extremely graphic not just in the violence but also in the sex stuff and so uh, but that was very popular there was a lot of people coming and checking it out a lot of other manufacturers coming to uh, give it a look and um yeah, and so I guess there is demand there just because there really isn't anything like that out there. there. There had been in the distant past, like in the 80s and 90s, there were some X-rated games out there. But yeah, nothing quite like uh, this that we've seen in modern times. And, and so uh, that, that was a very popular thing at their booth. Um, otherwise, for IAPA, most a lot of the hype and talk was about virtual reality, VR stuff. And I did a video about this recently, or before IAPA, where I was talking about where I'm just not crazy about VR. Like, for me, it just doesn't really work here. And, of course, one of the main things with that is the price. The price on anything VR is just crazy. I think the cheapest thing out there is around $25,000. And I saw something there at the show that was saying it was just under $30,000, and it was just a port from a home game, but like the frame rate was atrocious. It was like 20 frames a second. And uh, it was just like, yeah, they could do a lot. They should be doing a lot better than this. If they're wanting to charge this much for it. And they'd like to say that a lot of the VR stuff is, um, you know, unattended in sorts of things like the, the rabbits VR and the King Kong VR and this, uh, all these other ones but it's like you kind of want to have somebody keep at least keeping an eye on it because those headsets are not cheap they're even more expensive in this industry because there's always extra prices tacked on or maybe there were some mods made to the headsets i know one company was touting that they developed a new cable to attach to the vr headset so that was supposed to be more reliable it comes with a two-year warranty because that's often a big fault point but, that, but that's the problem with a wearable 
piece of technology like joysticks, driving wheels, and sh stick shifters, and guns get beat up a lot. And you know, those are anywhere, some of those, I've seen guns that are as much as $1,300. And yeah, it's, it's not a cheap part to replace. Now imagine a VR headset. Uh, it constantly getting thrashed around or banging up against the cabinet. Um, yeah, that just to me, I, I've heard other operators talk about how much maintenance goes into VR and they kind of hate it just because they spend a lot of money on that. Got yeah, away. I mean, camera is going crazy. I think you're fine. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's a great recap of IAPA. There's a ton of stuff there, like the racing games. I was talking to uh, one of my guys on the east coast chris who he bought a couple of the fast and furious i believe and he was really really liking that and x arcadia has got some new stuff which you gotta love love to see uh primarily indie games going on that system uh the neo geo right. for indies essentially at this point and uh yeah i mean i had no idea about the x-rated thing which that's kind of interesting you're it, it makes sense that there'd be a lot of interest for people there to yeah. check it out because no one's doing it right it's it's one of a yeah. kind like they, um, they were telling me that they have quite a few like they have the hustle i guess hustler has a chain of strip clubs i, yeah. I know nothing about the industry but they, they they were saying that they have seen a ton of interest in this thing and so it's like if you have an untapped market and you're the only ones with something that serves that market it can be huge and so, that's it really interesting to me that like you'd be at a strip club and you'd rather play a video game than like be right. at the that's that's not i mean i think that's crazy but you know sure. that that's kind of kind of what i wanted to talk about today i just wanted like a good clean wrap-up of iapa what you saw there and everything so i guess to just wrap everything up uh shout out your social media so that anybody that wants to check out your blog or anything can find you sure thank you uh well thank you for the opportunity once again and uh, it's arcadeheroes.com all one word and so i been posting a lot of stuff there but lately i've been focusing on the youtube videos trying to get everything that i filmed at iapa uh, up there i'm still uploading videos from that so that's just how crazy it's been uh, but you can find me on youtube under arcade heroes and i'm also on virtually every social media platform out there of course the major ones facebook twitter and i am on instagram but i don't use that very often uh, since I can't hyperlink, but uh, I try. And uh, yeah, just, you know, if you don't already, please follow me. If you do already, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll, we'll keep those arcades alive. As I think it's obvious or inherent from what I've been talking about. If there was, if the industry was dead, none of this would exist. And um, it, there is a market there for all sorts of stuff. And uh, one that also just came to mind is even for retro stuff. There's some retro arcades out there that survived the pandemic. There was a guy there with uh, Ice Cold Beer by Taito, a very popular classic game from the 80s. It's all electromechanical. He's remade it faithfully. He's licensed it. He's also going to be remaking Atari's Warlords. And uh, so there, there's, there's plenty of life in this industry out there, whether it's for old stuff, new stuff. And it will keep people, it'll keep things going and, and alive out there. Just as long as you get out and visit an arcade. That is all I would ask is if you, if you have any near you, go visit one.
Yeah, you got to check them out. And and like you said, there's other indie games coming out now. I've done a bunch of interviews with those guys too. So it's still growing. It's still moving. Um, thank you, Adam, for coming on and chatting about IAPA, letting us know what you saw because I couldn't make it. Um, but if you're Next still time. checking us out, uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. It means a lot to us. It'll help grow the wave, and we'll just keep on moving. But until next time, peace. See ya.